The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Hello and welcome to Squawkbox. Here are your headlines today. Tesla shares turbocharged in after hours as the carmaker posts a beat on fourth quarter earnings and revenues. The CEO Elon Musk saying price cuts are driving record demand. Demand far exceeds production. Um, and uh, we actually are um, making some, some small price uh, increases as a result. The Hang Seng pops nearly 2% as it kicks off the year of the rabbit, hitting its highest level since July. On the UK, it pulls back as the BOJ minutes reveal divisions on inflation. The US and Germany sign off on advanced tank deliveries to Ukraine, with President Biden and Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky hailing the move as a crucial stand in the face of Russian aggression. Supporting Ukraine's ability to fight off Russian aggression to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity is a worldwide commitment. We have to form a fist of tanks, a fist of freedom, which will not allow tyranny to rise again. Well, slowing, but uh, not stalling. U.S. economic growth is forecast at 2.8% in the fourth quarter, with investors eyeing today's GDP data for signs of consumer distress amid Fed tightening. Welcome to the show. Let me take you straight to earnings crossing at the top of this hour. SAP numbers and, of course, a big question mark around cloud revenues after we saw Microsoft just pose some challenges on the acceleration of growth in this key area. Crossing the tape now, Q4 revenue up 6% at 8.44 billion euros. Cloud revenue for the fourth quarter is up 30% at 3.39 billion euros. If we tally up both the cloud and software revenue, that has risen single digits, low single digits, 4%. Uh, operating profit for the final quarter, that is up 17%, 1.71 billion euros. The company is saying it expects uh, 15.3 to 15.7 billion euros cloud revenue at constant currencies in 2023. Also on the guidance front for operating profit, a number of 8.8 to 9.1 billion euros. Not first operating profit in constant currencies. Also here on uh, changing the uh, portfolio slightly, it's decided to explore a sale of its stake in Qualtrics. So that crossing at, at this stage in terms of what we're seeing on expectations around cloud and software revenue for this year, 20.2 to 28.7 billion euros cloud and software revenue. Also to cut 3,000 jobs, ton of news crossing from this. So like other corporates, it is uh, taking a look at uh, the cost side. It will slash 3,000 jobs. That's around 2.5% of its staff to be affected. Uh, other numbers are worth noting here. Expects EBIT to increase 10 to 13% to 8.8 to 9.1 billion euros. So just peeling away from these numbers, uh, what we've got, uh, I think, when it comes to that cloud revenue, 
the increase here is slightly shy of market expectations. The up 30%, uh, the market was shaping up for up 33%. So uh, 3.4 almost under the 3.5 billion the market had anticipated. So it looks like it's still faster growth than Microsoft, but it is not as fast as analysts had hoped. Um, I had a little dig into the margins, Karen, because as, as you know, a constant... Um, uh, diatribe from me, a constant line from me, is that you can sell anything, but you've got to sell it at the right price. And it's the margins that matter to me. So I've gone into the uh, actual original document, page 7 of 23, and this is a gross margin development for the company as well, which I think is absolutely key here. And it's a very nuanced picture. So it's not all good news. So for instance, um, you have got increases in cloud margins. So, and again, there's a lot in here, but for instance, on the absolute cloud level, up 2.1 uh, PP uh, at constant currency. So the increase in gross margin there. But if I look down into the services side of things, down 1.5. So I think there are subtleties within these figures. Yes, the revenues are up, but on the services side, margins are challenged. That's the gross margin is challenged. In fact, in total, the margins are down across the, the group here. It says total margins are down 0.5. Uh, PP, but actually at a constant currency level down the same level as well. So then I've gone back and had a look at where the revenues are on a constant currency basis as well. Uh, and it seems that actually cloud and software revenue in the United States really quite strong, uh, up 8% on a constant currency basis. But in Europe uh, and Asia, which is, I think is very interesting, Asia Pacific and Japan, they bake it down to that, up only 2% at a constant currency in Japan. 1% in Europe and 8% in the United States. So from this, I can surmise two things. One, the United States is stronger than other regions of the world, which I think is very interesting. Uh, and two, margins are under pressure, especially on the services side. Um, we saw Christian Klein, didn't we, up the mountain? Um, and so we had a very interesting uh, conversation, I think, uh, about um, profitability. Mm -hmm. And this was a key concern, this question of making sure that the transition to cloud would be a profitable transition to cloud. And I have to say, running ahead of these numbers, the messaging uh, was pretty clear that he felt that actually they were going back to better times in terms of profitability, and they also felt that they'd crossed a tipping point last year in terms of cloud business adoption for customers. And of course, there is a subscription nature to the cloud services, which means that they improve the quality of the revenue stream as well, as far as the, the business is concerned. Um, two other things here, I think, that are worth mentioning, just for our audience who are looking at technology companies at the moment and wondering if it is a one-way street lower against the broader market indices. And it is interesting when you look at SAP against the DAX, for example, mm -hmm. there is obvious underperformance uh, latterly. The Qualtrics business is basically a software service business, a survey business. It's about experiences. It's about going out and measuring, you know, offering, offering a software service that analyzes people's um, sentiment and feeling. What has it got to do with SAP and cloud services and some of the business process operations they also sell? So this is non-core. There's also jobs going 
focus on costs. I think for, for anybody who is, is running a slide rule over technology companies at the moment, these are the issues that they need to be focused on and these were the messages I think we took down from the mountain from Davos that the consultants are having a field day at the moment because they are being brought into all of these technology companies to give advice about trimming fat and streamlining operations. So an interesting set of numbers this morning and it reinforces some of those key messages we were hearing from Christian Klein um, uh, in Davos. Yeah, one other point I think we'll be talking to the company today about will be growth and spending as well. It's been trying to expand the business in uh, fresh areas and of course that's a costly endeavour and this type of marketplace. But we have more on those latest numbers coming up later on. The CFO Luca Music will be joining us. Tune in for that interview at 8.40 CET. I want to take you for a look under the hood at Tesla. Uh, we saw numbers across uh, uh, crossing the tape yesterday, reported record revenue the fourth quarter, beating on the top and bottom lines. The automaker expects to produce 1.8 million vehicles this year, although CEO Elon Musk said that was a conservative estimate and 2 million would be possible if operations run smoothly. As for the recent price cuts, he said affordability would be necessary for Tesla to grow into a company that sells millions of cars a year and that it appears to be working with year-to-date orders their strongest ever. Tesla shares gained in extended trade, buoyed by Musk's bullish production rhetoric, even though the company did not issue guidance. Speaking to investors after the release, Musk explained the company's production target. Our internal production potential is actually closer to 2 million vehicles. But we, uh, you know, we're saying 1.8 because I don't know. There just always seems to be some friggin' force majeure thing that happens somewhere on Earth, <laughs> and uh, you know, we don't control if there's like earthquakes, tsunamis, wars, you know, pandemics, uh, etc. Arjun joins us with more. Arjun, I think setting up for these results, one of the biggest problems was the discounting that we saw in uh, all the news articles as it crossed in various jurisdictions. But it felt like Elon Musk turned that into a positive. Yeah, and I think what he said was that the demand year to date has been the strongest on record so far. So some of those price cuts are taking effect. Look, the strategy here from Tesla is very clear. Take that short term pain in terms of pressure on margins in order to increase share in the electric vehicle market amid what is increasing competition across the globe and particularly in that critical China market for Tesla, which accounts for around 23 percent of sales. So that is really the strategy here from Tesla. And of course, the, the other part he spoke a lot about was some of the add-ons uh, to Tesla's, the, the full self-driving beta, some of these software updates, which is very much a long-term game. So it's kind of this almost Apple uh, style of uh, uh, business here, throw the hardware into the market, get it out there, keep margins pretty healthy, but then look for the future and look to sell services. That's the story from Tesla so far. But of course, uh, Elon Musk saying that he thinks there's going to be a pretty uh, serious recession this year. And of course, that could uh, throw some headwinds the company's way. Um, did you want to get a bit of sound from him? It says there, Arjun Link Musk bite. <laughs> well, we can talk about what... Should we listen to it? <laughs> Have we got a little bit of sound from Mr. Musk? Let's listen in. There's going to be bumps along the way. And, and uh, you know, I think we'll probably have a you know, pretty difficult recession this year. Probably, I hope not, but probably. Um, and so, you, you know, one can't predict the short-term sort of stock value because, um, you know, when there's a recession and people panic in the stock market, then, uh, you know, prices of stocks, both value of stocks can, can drop sometimes to surprisingly low levels. But long-term, I am convinced that Tesla will be the most valuable company on earth.
Uh, there was a, a bit of sound there from Mr. Musk. Look, I, I, I looked at this margin, which everyone's like, oh my God, the margins are coming off aggressively. The margins are coming off, uh, and they have come off down to 25.9% in a quarter. That is down nearly five percentage points from a year ago. Now, if we're looking at a trajectory, that is a worrying trajectory coming off from over 30 down to 25.9. But what does 25.9% mean as a gross automotive margin compared with the Oppo? That's all that really we need to know. Because this company trades at a massive premium to the Oppo, and is it still justifying that? So I've gone through the other biggest players in the sector, uh, and it does compare favourably on the gross margin. Is that enough to give it uh, a premium of what it's got? That's beyond my pay grade. But these are the margins from the big Oppo. Volkswagen, which is bringing up a great suite of uh, electric vehicles, 17.9% was the last figure we have as of the end of September. So again, compares favourably. General Motors, again, uh, one of the hugest companies often compared with Tesla, has a gross margin of 14.01%. Toyota, again, we compare because these are the three biggest out there, VW, Toyota, uh, and General Motors, Toyota has 15.4. So I can't help you with your decision to buy or sell Tesla, ladies and gentlemen. What I can say is it still trades at a big premium on its gross margin compared with the others. But, and there is a big but, there is a trajectory of closing that disparity. And I think that's what has given Tesla and Musk a bit of wriggle room here in terms of being able to cut prices is because they've been able to maintain healthy margins and they've been able to sort of tinker with the price uh, over depending on the macro situation that did give Musk a bit of wriggle room here you're right about the trajectories though Steve if that continues through the years Elon Musk is predicting this pretty serious recession um, that could be a headwind but clearly this is a company that has a strong brand it's got a leadership position in EVs at the moment but of course uh, there are a number of competitors in the pipelines are waiting to eat some of that cake as well. Well, it is an interesting question to pick up on, on your point here. Do you want to own a car maker that sells 5 million cars a year at half of that or less? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to own a car maker that makes that margin but only on 1.3 million vehicles? And that's actually a 50% increase on what they did the year before. So it's an interesting one, isn't yeah, it? it is, yeah. um, Twitter. Um, so is he going to sell some Twitter shares? What is he doing? I mean, there are so many stories revolving around Elon Musk at any one time. Yeah. But the latest seems to be that he needs to raise more cash. Uh, that's true. I mean, we didn't get any clarity around what Elon Musk's plans were with Twitter. Um, all he said was that uh, he's got 127 million followers and he's not popular with everyone, but he thinks he's uh, quite popular. And he said that Twitter is a powerful tool uh, for driving demand to Tesla. That's it so far. He's clearly in the market trying to raise some cash uh, at the moment, but unclear whether that means having to sell more Tesla shares at this point. He said he wouldn't, but of course he said that before. Uh, and ended up selling anyway. So clearly that, I think Twitter overall remains an overhang over this Tesla story. One of the things Elon Musk, I think, did yesterday was first up turning up on that earnings call, but also trying to show that, look, we're in control. We know what we're doing. Uh, Production, we're aiming for somewhere around 1.0 million vehicles this year, potentially two if things go our way. And that was very much the message. We're still on track. We know there's more competition. We know the macro stuff, uh, but clearly we're, we're making the right steps and demand remains strong. And that was really the message, I think, that got through to a lot of investors because it was concern going into this report that actually there wouldn't be that kind of clarity, there wouldn't be that kind of confidence uh, for the year ahead. 
Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Uh, let's move on to ST Micro. Shares have had a really uh, stonking great rally uh, this year, 19.6% higher. Do the numbers justify it? Fourth quarter and final uh, full-year figures for 2022. Let me go through some of the, uh, the flashes we have here. We will drive the company based on a plan for full-year 2023 revenues in the range of 16.8 to 17.8 billion US dollars. Plan to invest $4 billion in CapEx mainly to increase our 300 mil uh, WAFA fabs and silicon carbide manufacturing capacity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, our business outlook at midpoint increasing year over year by 18.5%, decreasing sequentially by 5.1% as well. Um, there's a lot of other numbers. Do you want some more of the numbers? I probably should give you some of those as well, shouldn't I? Uh, the fourth quarter gross margin. I talked about margins. Important. 47.5 versus 47.2. Uh, net income was, uh, in the fourth quarter, 1.25 billion US dollars. Uh, EPS per share, 1.32. I think it's very interesting that this is a very upbeat um, earnings statement from this company because overnight, did you see Lamb Research, no. uh, one of the other major suppliers of semiconductor manufacturing equipment, one of the big three effectively announcing layoffs. They're going to cut about 7% of the workforce. They are in cost-cutting mode here. So very mixed picture from the semiconductor space right now. Can I jump in? No. No. Sorry. I think the, the, the semi space is super interesting because it does depend what part of the supply train um, you play in. Look at ASML yesterday. Uh, you know, difficult uh, end of the year, but certainly going into this year, they see upbeat. They see a bit of a recovery. Some of those chip makers uh, who are piling up inventories that. Uh, is going to come out in the market. SD Micro, of course, a story that very much relies on the Apple yeah. story as well, given the, the critical supply to that. So. It makes me very angry when people jump in when they're not supposed I'm sorry. to. <laughs> so, I something, to. I, something I'd I, never do. Chips. Yeah. I love chips. Yeah, right. I love chips. Rescue Arjun here. Rescue Arjun. <laughs> <laughs> getting too much heat. Oh. He's certainly not getting heat. Look, I see, if I you see him as the future. If you mention <laughs> chips, you're not, a bot, I'm, I'm you're not AI, are you? You're real. I'm real. Okay. For now. Yeah, when the, For when now. the young lion arrives and the old lion is fighting back, you know, we know how that works. <laughs> and here's the lioness, uh, the, anyway. the, the tiger of pride. I, I've been somewhat distracted looking at some numbers from Pekka Lundmark's uh, company, Nokia. Who we did um, speak to up the mountain. Exactly. I think he spoke to everyone on the mountain. And uh, effectively, numbers are a beat. The fourth quarter looks strong on every metric. Effectively, it's come through higher than expected. On uh, fourth quarter sales, 7.45 billion instead of the 7.1 the analysts saw. Net profit has crossed at 3.15 billion. Uh, when it comes to comparable profit, that is at 9.31 million euros for the fourth quarter. 7.44 million was anticipated. So again, a beat. Uh, I've just had a look at some of the commentary from Pekka, and uh, he is saying they're looking forward to 2023. They're mindful, though, of uncertain economic outlook. Demand remains robust. They expect another year of growth. They're targeting four-year net sales of between 
24.9 billion to 26.5 billion. So that implies between 2 and 8% growth in constant currency. So that is still quite a wide range as we talk about low single digit versus high single digit growth here. Targeting comparable operating margin in the range of 11 to 14%. Again, a wide range as we talk about margin targets here. Growth means they have another year of working capital constraining their free cash flow conversion from operating profit to a range of 20 to 50%. Um, they expect significantly stronger cash flow in 2024. So spending has been an issue for some of the marketplace. They say due to their confidence in the long-term outlook, uh, balance sheet position, the board is proposing to increase the dividend to 0.12 per share euros. And of course, dividends, as we talk about telcos, still quite key at this stage. Coming in on this one? Not, no, so, not so no. bullshy now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Got the opportunity oh. to take the show away from it? Yeah, yeah. Let, let me make a couple of points. One is I think they're very shrewd to focus on cash flow because it helps obscure some of the weakening trends that are within the business at the moment. Are there weakening trends? <clears throat> Look at the mobile uh, networks business here. 3% constant currency growth. 3%. That sounds like the sort of thing we get from Unilever and be critical of. So 3% for a business that is still kind of tech and sexy doesn't sound like shooting it out of the park. And And, well, I think so. I think there's a lot of opportunity here for growth if you're in the right part of the telecom story. But the other point I'll just make to answer Steve's question, um, while they're talking about that 3% constant currency growth within the mobile networks business, operating margin declining year on year. And that's back to your point about it's all well and good to have growth and top line, but you've got to have good margin. Well, I was going to say, Jeff, what happened to that 5, 5G boom? We were supposed to be seeing yeah, as well. What happened boom? to that 5G boom? I think there's certainly been a rethink on 5G and there was so much hype around it over the years. This is going to roll from out everyone. so quickly. Not from everyone. This is going to roll out quickly. It's going to change the world. But clearly, you know, people are still figuring out what 5G means. People well, are getting 5G. Did, did the people who pumped up 5G not look at 4 and 3G just yeah. out of interest? Because some of us tried very hard to point out that there wasn't a massive profitability boom from 4G or from 3G. Uh, and, and it was lost on many people who were trying to pump the there, sector. There was something obvious that sort of hit in between, and that was COVID. It wasn't a oh, great God, win for the telecoms companies. It, it wasn't COVID a great win for the five G. It wasn't a win for this is a many str- of these operators. No, sorry, right? Karen, you can't. No, no, no. Let me, ex- let me explain. That, let me explain. So you had all these operators that had a ton of people using the network, but it was actually very expensive for them. So they didn't actually clean up because of all this extra traffic crossing uh, on some of their um, cables. In fact, they lost all the roaming fees. They didn't get extra money because people were traveling. And so people. as a result, the people that are going to spend the money on 5G didn't have the money to spend. You think about the other end user, the governments here are also involved in the process. They've had very constrained I, I, budgets I around healthcare and defence. So I think the pie kind of shrunk more than anyone expected Absolutely in terms of spending. Absolutely not the case, Karen. Every single sector as we saw last year, as people came out of COVID, had an absolutely stonking great rally in terms of demand. Demand for travel, demand for product, demand for household goods, demand for discretionary goods, demand for luxury goods. Why on earth then, if the demand picture in every single sector went through the roof as we came out of COVID, didn't it increase for for 5G? As people traveled aggressively, people started using mobility aggressively, they got in their cars, they did a lot of things all around the world that were pent up. You can't dismiss a long-term structural puff story by saying, oh, it got destroyed yeah, by COVID. The, the long-term story you mentioned means that it's 
costly over the long term. Depopulation. Uh, no, that's not what should happen with technology. So, it's supposed to so actually reality, decrease in cost. The reality over time. is, if you have a, a bad number of years, it the destroys case, the revenue that you very much do need to build for the future. And I think that's been one of the factors for the industry. The other one was the big reinvention that was required. That you couldn't just do what you did with two and three and four G. You needed to reinvent the business model and actually go into new services. And I think it's Ericsson that's been very much aware of that. Nokia was an underperformer versus Ericsson for many years. I think it's played catch up to that point. But the future uh, pathway still needs to be conquered on these new businesses. Well, look, um, people did make money out of 5G. It just wasn't the telecom companies. So the point is that the semiconductor manufacturers actually had a pretty good three years because they were producing, anticipating this shift to IoT, right? Oh, uh, your fridge is going to tell you when your cheese is running out. All that kind of stuff that we were getting so excited about a few years ago. So, as always, it's, it's tricky with this new technology because you've got to find the fat part of the profit curve. And the fat part of the profit curve wasn't with the service providers and the telecom companies. It was with all those businesses that were manufacturing the technology that was meant to take advantage of the new 5G, this new powerful way of communicating between devices. Um, and so I think, I think there has been money made. I just don't think it's, it's the people that were providing the 5G technology um, service necessarily that are the ones that are making it. Arjun, I don't know what you think. Yeah, well, this. the telcos, I think, always knew that it was not the consumer where the profit was going to be made. They spoke about all these 5G applications for businesses, but that hasn't happened. The businesses haven't invested in 5G and 5G application yet. That is a longer term game. Uh, but also, still not clear whether what the use cases are for 5G in business. And I think that's something that's still we being... No, no, no. I, I think I hear what you're saying. We were told it was a game changer. Time and time again, Karen, you, you said it yourself at these conferences. It was a game changer for the industry. I, the number of times you told me it was going to change everything over the medium to longer term. And that f to be honest, I don't think we're there yet. I think yeah, it's so it's not on. even jam tomorrow, is it? It's so, jam next year or the year after. So, I mean, you think about AI, how long have we been talking about AI for? And it's only now we are talking about some significant changes in the industry. This has taken years again. What are what, seven, eight years ago, we were talking about it as one of the hot technologies. I, I think want, I think that's the problem. We're wanting want, the returns now. We're just, just not there yet. I just Gooding Jr. I just want someone to show <laughs> me. <laughs> I just want that. Is there a, a phrase? This is a virtue. Well, look, I just Nokia. want someone to show me the money. Nokia is showing you the money because they're raising their dividend here. Here, but do companies that are anticipating heavy investment in technology for growth raise the dividend? I don't think so.